Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. I believe it says there is a real heaven. And if there is a real heaven, there is a real hell. You see, you can't have one without the other. God is just. And so this is a picture of heaven and hell, that life goes on, that after you die, and after I die, we will live in either heaven, or if we don't know Jesus Christ, we will live in hell, because we have rejected the God of creation. In this life, we'll have good times and bad. We'll have struggles and we'll have victories. Even as believers, we're not exempt from such things. And in today's message, we'll discuss those times on the mountaintop. Pastor Mark will explain that when we're living on the mountaintop, life is good. We're not dealing with major issues. We're not struggling physically, financially, or in our relationships. Life is great. However, we can't allow our guard to drop. We can't take our eyes off of God's Word. Because even in the times when we're riding high on the mountain, Satan, our enemy, is still hard at work. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 1, for part one of our message entitled, Life on the Mountaintop. How many have a dog? Like the dogs, don't you? I've read something the last few weeks, I like it. Things we can learn from a dog. Let's listen. Never pass up an opportunity to go for a joyride. As I was mowing the lawn yesterday, I saw this dog hanging out the car. It was all fuzzy and like a ball hanging. Totally out. He's just having a ball, just going through a joyride. I thought, how interesting. When a loved one comes home, always run to greet them. Here's a good one. When it's in your best interest, practice obedience. (laughs) Dog knows, don't they? Yeah, they know. Take naps and stretch before rising. Eat with gusto and enthusiasm. (laughs) Didn't even need to mention that one, did I? Be loyal. Never pretend to be something you're not. How interesting. I like this one. When someone is having a bad day, be silent, sit close by, and nuzzle them gently. Yeah. Avoid biting. (laughs) When a simple growl will do. (laughs) Now when you're happy, dance around and wag your entire body. I like it. Here's the best. Delight in the simple joy of a long walk with your master. Now this morning, we're not going to talk about really things you can learn from a dog. We're going to talk about things you can learn from a mountaintop experience. Let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come 
with power. Jesus had just finished telling his disciples that he was going to die on a cross. Then you remember he turns to his disciples and said, By the way, you're going to have to do three things if you're really going to be a follower of mine. And he outlined the three requirements that were necessary to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is reviewing this discipleship process. And he says here in verse 1, Some of you guys, the 12 disciples now that are standing here, you're going to see the glory of God displayed before you die. And they wonder to themselves, what does that mean? And Jesus is going to say, well, I'm going to take you to a mountaintop where your discipleship is going to be tested. You see, there's two areas where discipleship is tested. That denying, the taking up the cross and following Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian this morning, you should be in the process of discipleship. So it will be tested on the mountaintops. The mountaintop this morning is an example of when everything is going great. It's perfect. It's those wonderful times when you can hear God, the presence of God is real, everything's going right for yourself. If you're single, family's good, everybody's there, there's plenty of money, there's no sickness, everything's going great. There's those wonderful times. We'll talk about that this morning. But discipleship is also tested in times of the valley, when things are not good. When things are difficult, when there's trouble in the family, as a single person, there's trouble at work, you just been laid off, there's no money, there's sickness, and you don't know where God is. You can't hear Him. It's tested in both of those. Today's the mountaintop. Next week's the valley, as we move along in the book of Mark in the next passage. So let's look and see. I'm going to give you nine things to remember this morning. Can you do it? If you took your organic herbs, maybe you can. Let's give it a shot. Nine things that I should learn from a mountaintop experience. Now, when Jesus said he was going to the cross, what he was saying to disciples was shocking because they thought the kingdom of God had come now and was going to be established on earth and it was going to be a political power. So now Jesus says in this verse here, you're going to see the power of the kingdom of God. And the disciples are saying, well, wait a minute. Where is the kingdom? You're going to the cross. There couldn't be any power displayed in that. And Jesus is going to show them what going to the cross is going to mean. The first thing I want you to learn this morning is the kingdom of God is real. The kingdom of God is real. Look at verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they are, were all alone. So Jesus just takes the inner circle of his disciples, as you see there, Peter and James and John. And he goes to the top of a high mountain. Now this is a wonderful snow-capped mountain, a beautiful area near Caesarea Philippi, where just six days before, Jesus had heard Peter say, you are the Christ. So they move in this six-day period and come to this high mountain, and the verse 2 continues, There, as those three disciples are there with Jesus, there he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Matthew, in his account, says Jesus' face shone like the sun. Luke says, in his account, Jesus was dazzling like the flash of lightning. Now, it's hard for us to understand because to immerse ourselves in this text, to put us ourselves in this mountain is high. But 
some of the other passages tell us when the disciples finally climbed up to the mountain with Jesus, they were tired and they fell asleep, which is pretty common for the disciples. When they woke up, this was Jesus in front of them. He was transfigured. The word is metamorphosis. It's to be changed to another form. It's an outward change that came from within. So Jesus' human body, the disciples when they went to sleep, had walked up with Jesus and seen Jesus' human body. When they awake on the top of this mountain, because of this change, this metamorphosis, this transfiguration, Jesus' body is in a glorified state. It's in another form. It was brighter than any tide with bleach could do. It was white, 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 white. Interesting, on a snow-capped mountain, you know how blinded you get with white. And even some of you ladies want to paint things. It's oyster white and antique white and white white. And even on our computers, I was looking for a white white. There is no Jesus white on my computer. This is how white he was. It was incredible. And what we see is this Jesus, who had been with the disciples for around two years, had, they had seen his human form, but now they see him in a glorified state, in a state of which he lived before he came to earth, and also the state that he would be in when he came back to set up his kingdom after the rapture and the tribulation period, which we'll talk about later. So this state was a heavenly state, and it actually shocked the disciples. What we see here this morning, I think, is very interesting. Really, when the disciples awoke, it was a Kodak moment. It was one of those times with Peter said, James, did you bring the camera? And you wouldn't know what to make the setting because it's so bright. But they wanted to take a picture of this because it said to them, the kingdom of God is real. In other words, we've never seen anything like this. And let me get you an idea of what we're doing this morning. What Jesus has done is he's taken the disciples to the top of this mountain. Just pretend this morning that here on earth we are and there is heaven. What Jesus is doing, and just you have to pretend this morning. Are you good at pretending? All right. Jesus is doing this. He's pulling back the curtain of heaven for a quick peek, a little look. To see what heaven's like. That's what we're going to see this morning. What heaven's like. Isn't that neat? And when we're going there one day, we might as well take a quick look this morning, huh? And this is what it was like. is to pull back the curtain. Jesus says, pull back the curtain and you're going to take a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. And that's exactly what Peter and James and John were doing. The second point this morning is, as that curtain comes back, heaven is real there is life after death. Heaven is real. There is life after death. Look at verse 4. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Now this is interesting. While the disciples are trying to comprehend this new form in the body that's shining brightly, and they can't even get over that, there's more. Here's Moses. Now, Moses has been dead for 1,400 years. Elijah was translated more than 900 years ago. Suddenly, they appear and start talking with Jesus. Now, we don't know 
how the disciples knew it was Elijah and Moses. Were they had name tags? Or were they, you know, Jesus said, okay, Peter, Jane, let me introduce you to Moses over here, and here's Elijah, and Elijah, here's Peter, and here's Jane. We don't know. But they were recognizable. The two greatest Old Testament prophets were talking. They were alive. What does that say to us? It says a couple things. Number one, people are not reincarnated. Did you get it? When Moses died and he went to heaven, he appears as who? Moses. Not a dog. Not an animal. Not somebody else. But Moses. Secondly, people don't cease to exist after death. The tremendous spiritual principles here. See, the world will say to you this, well, I'm coming back the third time and the 17th time till I get it right. By the way, you can come back a million times. You'll never get it right. Then other people say, well, when I go into the grave, that's it. It's over with. This is a picture. Listen, this is a picture of heaven this morning from the word of God that says we are not reincarnated and that when we die, we will exist somewhere forever. Thirdly, I believe it says there is a real heaven. And if there is a real heaven, there is a real hell. You see, you can't have one without the other. God is just. And so this is a picture of heaven and hell, that life goes on, that after you die, and after I die, we will live in either heaven, or if we don't know Jesus Christ, we will live in hell, because we have rejected the God of creation. Point number three, God wants to encourage us. How'd you glad you don't have to come to church and be screamed at and yelled at and said, you're not good enough and what's wrong with you? And we just know that God wants to encourage us. When Elijah and Moses started talking to Jesus, Mark doesn't tell us really what they talk about, but Luke tells us, and here's what Luke says. They spoke about Jesus' departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. God sent Elijah and Moses to, number one, encourage Jesus to continue on his path to the cross. You see, Moses and Elijah had always been told by God that there was a Redeemer coming. There was a Messiah coming. And I believe that as Jesus was getting near to go to Jerusalem to go to the cross, to die, he knew what was facing him. And here comes the Old Testament prophets, and Moses is saying, you can trust your father. I trusted him. God led my life through the, I believe they probably talked about the Red Sea and all the neat things, and I believe that Moses said, you know, just continue on with it. It's the right thing. Finish the course well, Jesus. Elijah, the same by the way, was Moses perfect? No. But where is he? In heaven. We'll talk about that in a moment. That encourages me. Secondly, here's Elijah. And I stood last week in Mount Carmel. And I talked about Elijah bringing down fire from heaven with those 450 prophets of Baal. And after that great, wonderful stance, he runs away from Jezebel and says, I'm the only one that's serving God anywhere in this world. And God said, wake up, my friend. No, you're not. So Elijah came to say, keep up with it. And Elijah finished well. In fact, he's translated to heaven. 
So I believe these two prophets came, number one, to encourage Jesus. Keep up with the course. It's right. You can trust God. Secondly, what I think happens here is, when you take a look at Moses, he represents something in the Old Testament that we call the law. The law was given to Moses. The Ten Commandments. How to be right with God. And man tried to be right with God, but always broke the Ten Commandments. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Hello? We break the Ten Commandments. We could never be right. So the law was really given to show man could not be good enough. So the Moses represents the Old Testament. Elijah represents the prophets of the Old Testament. And Jesus represents something. Just write this verse down. We don't have time to go there this morning. Matthew 5, 17. You can look it up later. Here's what it says. Do not think that I, Jesus, have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So what this picture is with Elijah and Moses and Jesus is this. The Old Testament law pointed to Jesus. The prophets pointed to Jesus. And Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He said, I didn't come to destroy them. I came to fully fulfill them. In other words, I'm superior to the law and I'm superior to the prophets and the prophecies. I am the complete fulfillment. Now, it's interesting because Jesus is going to go to the cross. And the only way you can get to heaven is by believing in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. But now, right this morning, we, we rolled the curtain back in where? Heaven. Where did Elijah and Moses come from? They came from heaven. Now, how did Elijah and Moses get to heaven if Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet? Well, here's how. This side of the cross is the Old Testament. All those people in the Old Testament that believed in the prophecy from God that a Messiah was coming that Jesus was coming to this earth to be the person who would die for the sins of all the world. If you were in the Old Testament and you believed in Jesus' coming, by your faithful look at the cross in the future, you got into heaven. So here are Elijah and Moses. How did they get to heaven? By believing who was coming. Jesus was coming. And they believed it by faith. So Elijah and Moses got there by faith. Now after the Old Testament is finished, and Jesus comes and dies on the cross, here we are on this side. Here we are 2,000 years later. Now, how do I get to heaven? Well, I have to not look head to the cross. I look where? Back to the cross. See, the Old Testament always looked forward to the cross. Today, one day after the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Jesus Christ, I now look back to the cross. And if I look back to the cross at the work that Jesus Christ did there and I accept Jesus Christ into my own life by faith, I am also saved. So the Old Testament and the New Testament is identical except forward and backward, but it's all by faith. See, it's not works, it's by faith. And that's how we all get to heaven. So you'll understand why those Old Testament prophets were there. Now, number four. And you'll know this one as soon as I say it. You see it on the overhead. Life is never lived only on the mountaintop. And everybody said, Amen. Verse 5. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, Peter is writing to Mark, and Mark puts this in. I imagine Peter said it. Verse 6 is just has Peter all over it. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Now, when you don't know what to say, the best thing to do is shut your mouth. 
Peter, when he didn't know what to say, opened his mouth. Some of you have that disease, don't you? We call it Peter foot-in-the-mouth disease. And this is what you see. Peter didn't know what to say, so he opens his mouth. Now, for us, not understanding Hebrew, we didn't understand this, but Peter, his impulsive response, he used the title to Jesus called rabbi or teacher, which indicates he didn't get what Jesus had been saying. He was equating, listen, he was equating Moses and Elijah and Jesus all on the same level, as if Jesus was just another great prophet. That's a tremendous mistake, because earlier he had said, you are the Son of God. This passage of Scripture is trying to say that Peter didn't understand yet the superiority of Jesus. He was not just a prophet. He was God's only Son. Is there a difference? Oh, there's a big difference. You see, even in the Middle East today, when you say Jesus, they say he was a good prophet. But if he was only a good prophet and he was not the Son of God, then you and I are still dead in our trespasses and sins and you'll never even get a peek at heaven because we couldn't go there. So Peter makes a mistake. Secondly, Peter does what you and I would probably do. How many would like to just stay on the mountaintop? I mean, this has got to, this is one of those magic moments. I mean, here's these old disciples and they're there and they've read about Elijah and they've read about Moses and here's Jesus in his glorified body. And they're going, wow. And if I had my chair here today, I'd put my chair up and sit down in it and just put it back. And Peter said, man, get three rockers right here. Just let's just sit and enjoy this time. This is wonderful. But really, mountaintop experiences are not to sit and try to say, I want to stay here. They're to challenge us to understand what we're being taught there, to go back down into the valley. Real life is not lived in the mountaintops, but it's in the valley. Now, it's good to have mountaintop experiences, and we do have those, and God gives those in our lives to encourage us. Now, what Jesus has been saying to the disciples was, I'm going to the cross. Many people think by this shelters that Peter thinks the kingdom of God is here. Hey! Put the shelters up. This cross stuff is no more. We don't even have to talk about the cross with Jesus because he's glorified already. The kingdom of God is here with power. Man, it's wonderful. And what he's also saying is this. Since Jesus isn't going to the cross, I don't have to take up my cross. I like it. But he's wrong. The kingdom of God had not come. This was just a glimpse of the power that would come. And so fulfills verse 1 where Jesus says, Some of you standing here will see the power of God coming. They were seeing the power of God coming, but the kingdom of God had not fully come yet. Number five, God wants to reveal himself to us. Verse seven says, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. If you've ever been to San Francisco and you've gone to like on the, one of their parks and it's just a clear day and it's wonderful, it's strange what can happen in a matter of moments. The fog can come in in San Francisco and you can't even see to get out of the park. It just, just envelopes them. Well, that's exactly what happened here. As Peter makes this unwise comment, God kind of clouds the situation over real quick. Like, let's get away from that. Let me show you something else, Peter. And suddenly, as they're standing there in this mountain, the Shekinah glory of God rolls in. As we wrapped up today's message, we were reminded of a somber truth that hell does exist. Sadly, this place of eternal torment has become nothing but a joke in books, shows, and music. 
Hell is depicted as a party place. It's where you really want to go. But that couldn't be farther from the truth, friend. The reality is that hell is full of sorrow, pain, and loneliness. Once you're there, there's no way out. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark will teach us the importance of listening. You see, we have many things vying for our attention. But what is it that you're listening to? What is it that you're absorbing? What are you applying to your life? Well, hopefully as believers, we're hearing from God and we're following His voice. And if we're being led by anything or anyone else, then we're being misled. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.